This episode of the Impact Makers podcast is sponsored by Workplace from Meta. Everybody's talking about the metaverse these days, but Workplace from Meta is different. I mean, the clue's in the name, right? Workplace is a business communication tool that uses features like instant messaging and video calls to help people share information. Think Facebook before your company. It's part of Meta's vision for the future of work, a future in which your job isn't just something you do, but something you experience. A future in which we'll all feel more present, connected, and productive. Start your journey into the future of work at workplace.com forward slash future. Do you want to be a leader who gets noticed, gets things done, and gets real results? Then you need influence and authority. Join host Jennifer McClure to learn how to build authority, expand your influence, and increase your impact. This is the Impact Makers Podcast with Jennifer McClure. Hey there, Impact Makers. In episode 66 of the Impact Makers podcast, I shared a conversation I had with Chris Villanueva on his Career Warriors podcast. If you've not had a chance to listen to that episode yet, I'd highly recommend that you go back a couple of episodes in your podcast player and give it a listen. I shared some of my best career advice learned in my many years of working in HR, recruiting, and coaching. Today, I'm turning the tables and I've invited Chris to join me as a guest on the podcast to share some of his best advice for job seekers and career changers related to creating resumes, cover letters, and LinkedIn profiles that will get them noticed and also help them to connect with their dream jobs. We also talk about how to overcome some of the challenges that we all are facing with building new professional relationships in an increasingly hybrid or remote work environment. So let me share a little bit about Chris's background before we get started. He's the CEO and co-founder of Let's Eat, Grandma, an online resume service that was ranked by The Balance as the best resume service of 2022. After graduating from Cornell University and excelling in the hospitality industry, Chris decided to apply his passion for people and service to one of the most stressful areas of life, the job hunt. As of this year, his company has helped over 7,000 paying clients with their resumes and hundreds of thousands more through their blog and the Career Warrior podcast. Chris's goal is to improve the modern-day job search and create a positive ripple effect across the U.S. economy. And for him and his company, it all starts with the resume. Well, welcome to the Impact Makers podcast, Chris Villanueva. And first question, did I say your name correctly? Villanueva, very close, very close. Wow, <laughs> I have totally botched it. And in the previous podcast, it as well. Villanueva, well, that sounds way cooler. So, <laughs> well, welcome and thanks for joining me today. I'd love for you to share a little bit with me and with everyone that's listening about who you are and why you do what you do. Absolutely. I am the founder and CEO of Let's Eat Grandma. And yes, there is a comma within that company name. And we are a resume writing company. So we're focused on helping job seekers to maximize the interviews they get, but not only that, but get good interviews for the ones, the companies that they care about. So I'm very passionate and driven about helping job seekers getting noticed, helping them to transition on over to the next best thing. And I focused and dedicated the last eight years of my life, essentially building this company. And I'm really proud to see where it's come so far. Wow. Well, take me back eight plus years ago. And first, let's eat, comma, grandma. Um, how in the world did you come up with that name? And why did you decide to start this business? You were obviously very young. Sure. So I was, I would say that the name came probably around eight years ago. So there was no name change. It was just kind of a spur of the moment gut feeling kind of thing. 
But for me, I I like I like companies with a sense of humor. And I don't know whether or not I thought about it like, oh, I want my company to have something goofy or like a, a sense of humor that grabs attention. But that's exactly the effect that naming the company Let's See Grandma had. I know I should not have been surprised by naming it. But I was sitting in a hotel room on a trip. I don't know what I was exactly going for, but the name just popped up. I thought, let's see, Grandma, that's the funniest joke I've heard. And it has to do so much, I think, with attention to detail, punction, com- punctuation, commas. And I thought, you know, that attention to detail is so important for job seekers when they're sending in their resumes that, you know, why not just put in this play on of words and it's it's really stuck ever since then Hmm. well that's interesting so how much um confusion or delight does it cause people i know in the name unbridled talent uh causes more confusion than delight so i i can relate to uh the the unusual name but how does that impact people who either connect with your company or find your company and then wonder why it's called let's eat comma grandma Well, there is a band called Let's Eat Grandma, and they're based in the UK, and they have a pretty big following to to let you know the band does not include the comma within their name. We do include the comma. So they're more of like the cannibal Let's Eat Grandma version of us. So that did cause some confusion because originally when you would Google Let's Eat Grandma, the only thing that would come up would be this band from the United Kingdom. So to my SEO or search engine optimization frustration, I would get so upset. But we were able to make a name for ourselves, I think, in our branding eventually over time to where we were able to overcome that problem. But yes, um, I'll be honest, if I threw the name out there in front of any job seeker customer, I don't know if they would make the connection. But I do know when I put my name against my competitors, we're the one that stands out that makes people go, huh, I'm interested. I want to click and find out more about this company. So we've had a lot of delight, laugh, laughter, confusion from our potential customers. But I think the attention has been a good thing. That's interesting. And company naming as an entrepreneur is always uh, quite the journey. And it's interesting to hear the stories of how people have decided on that. But why in the world did you decide to get into resume writing and helping people in the job search? Again, you were relatively new in your own career. So what interested you in that field? Yeah, so it's it's a funny story. I actually began the company in 2014 with the intent of helping, helping folks with their writing in general. That's what I excelled at when I was an undergrad was just uh, business style communication. So I was a TA or a tutor for folks who needed help with these types of documents. Resumes and cover letters were a part of that those needs, I would say. So it would help people who were their master level, undergrad level with their resumes. But I started the company originally with, hey, let me help you out with my writing because I'm pretty darn good at the craft of writing. But the need that really stuck out were the folks who were sending in their resumes because these were folks who had a lot on the line because they were like, they really wanted to get the salary increase or the career transition that they desired. But this was this one document that seemed to be standing in the way of that or at least improving that document. And so that's really what stood out to me, I think, around 2014 is I think I need to make my own personal pivot to focus exclusively on these types of documents for job seekers. Because when I started getting back more and more feedback that this was making a deep impact in people's lives, that's eventually what 
led me down that path and like made me focus a little bit more on the resumes. So it was this funnel. It's like, hey, let's focus and get a little bit more specific and uh, help people out this way. Sure. Well, tell me about those first probably couple of years where you started a resume company. Not everybody thinks about hiring a professional resume writer when they are looking for a job. How do you get people to notice you and to see the value that you can provide? Absolutely. And I think resume services are a lot more popular, I just want to say now than they were even, you know, five, 10 years ago. I think when we were starting out in 2014, less people had used a resume service. I think I still think the majority of people still have not used a resume service. So I still think that there's a lot of mileage that this industry has to go, I think, into the future. But for me, it really was about helping people to understand that your resume is a marketing piece that you have so many eyeballs potentially on, but you have a very short amount of time to make an impact with that one little document. And so you have to take the time to at least not just scrap it together in five to 10 minutes. You need to put a little bit more time into connecting with the potential jobs you're applying for and looking at how you're perceived through this one little document. So I think the return on investment that people can get from improving their resume is just much larger than I think people originally thought. Mm -hmm. All right. The burning question, one page resume only or as many as it takes? Uh, Jennifer, you're doing this to me already. We're only <laughs> we're only a few minutes. In. But OK, so this is a really big question that a lot of people ask. And in early 2021, I actually staged a big, bad debate between two folks. One was very pro one page. They felt that a document had to be one page. And the other was, hey, I think it should be more along the lines of two pages or as long as it needs to be. So there is, this is a controversial answer, I will say. Not a lot of people agree on it, and you'll go online and you'll get a lot of mixed messages. My personal belief about the length of the resume is it should be as long as it needs to be, but as short as possible. As long as it needs to be, but as short as possible. So that can mean different things. It can mean if I am somebody who has had, you know, 20, 25 years of experience and I'm applying for jobs within the corporate world, maybe I really should consider cutting down my three page resume to a two page resume. It could mean if I am a recent college graduate who I just graduated from college three years ago and I've only had one experience under my belt, then in most cases, I'm probably going to have a one page resume. So one to two pages is my blanket answer if you wanted to get down to a specific number, but I'll still caveat that by asking, having listeners ask themselves, how long does my resume need to be truly to get my message across in a short amount of time? Mm hmm. I'm just going to throw all the the big questions at you here, then, because I know there there are job seekers out there that that uh, you know get conflicting pieces of advice. So let's go to someone who's an expert in this area. Uh, you mentioned someone with 25 plus years of experience. Your thoughts: 25 plus years of experience. Do I cut off jobs to try to make myself look younger on my resume, or do I list them all? 
It's a great question. And I know a big concern for a lot of job seekers is age discrimination. A lot of folks feel like their resumes are getting tossed in the trash because of age. And it is a thing, sadly. However, I think the better question to to ask yourself as a job seeker looking to refine your resume to cut down the resume, it might be what experience is most relevant for that next job that I'm applying for. And so instead of just saying, how can I look back at old experience, you know, that's 15 to 20 years and just straight up cut it off the resume. I think that's not really fair to the people who may be returning back to the workforce if they've had a career gap and that's all the experience they have to give. So the best question that I can put in the mind of job seekers is what experience is most relevant and focusing in on that experience. In most cases, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get people to think here. So in most cases, yes, it's going to be the more recent experiences. So the last job, the last two or three jobs I've had, but I think that really is the most important question. And then truly just cutting down the other stuff that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. All right. Another question. And again, I've been a recruiter and been in HR most of my career. So these are questions that I've either posed or have been posed with me. Functional resume or chronological resume? And maybe explain to people who don't know the difference between the two, what that is. Sure. Well, I think recruiters, um, hiring managers, for the most part, prefer chronological resumes because they're a little bit more straightforward or reverse chronological if you want to get technical and talk about the going from your oldest experience to your more recent experience uh, being at the top of the resume. I think functional is great for only a few instances, and that's if I am a hardcore career changer, I'm making a really big pivot in my life, and I need some way of emphasizing skills, or I just have a, a massive gap, I think would be another example of using a functional resume. But, you know, 95% of the cases we're writing chronological resumes over at Let's See Grandma, which really emphasize the timeline a little bit more than skills. I don't know if you want to go into the difference between the two, but. Sure. Yeah. I can tell you as a recruiter, particularly, I hated functional resumes. The functional resume comes up and I'm like immediately looking, where's the timeline? What's your career been like? You know, how can I understand this? Why are you trying to distract me from the chronological time frame? Now that may be because I'm, I guess, old school, but new things are happening. So what is new? What's changed in the the resume writing or the presentation portion of the job search over the last few years that you've seen? One, the first thing that comes to mind, first of all, is how, you know, even when I was writing resumes a few years ago, it was a little more, it was a little more, I wouldn't say abnormal, but it was much less common to apply for remote positions. I remember whenever I got a job, um, a job seeker, they would come to me on the phone. They'd be like, I'm applying for a remote position. Can you emphasize that on my resume? And so we would make little call outs. But I think that's more and more the norm is applying for these remote positions. So I don't think it's something that people have to necessarily call out on the resumes as much. I think it's, it's more of a common thing. I think there are elements of the resume that people need to scrap because they're outdated. An example of that is including your entire address at the top of the resume because you just don't need to include it. And there's so many data security concerns about including that type of information that it's just it's not relevant. So we just tell job seekers typically include city city state at most. 
but you don't need to include your actual residential address at the top. And this, yeah, perhaps a controversial one. I don't know if you'll disagree with me or agree, but I believe that the summary of qualifications should always be at the top of the resume versus the objective statement. The objective statement is something that people used to include a long time ago. I, I don't know whether it was because it was a fad or it was just the standard, but I think the summary of qualifications is a much more it's a much more straightforward way of showcasing who you are and the skills and the experience you had to bring to the table. Well, we are very aligned. I used to tell people that was another one of my questions to objective statement or not. Yeah, I have an objective <laughs> um, to the objective statement. Exactly. <laughs> and, my, and the objective statement is always I'm a team player looking to contribute to a great company to advance, you know, the company's objectives or something completely generic. And I always tell people, if you're going to include a summary at the top of your resume, tell me who you are, what you're targeting and why you'd be a great fit for that. And one, two, at most two sentences. Right. So Again, as a recruiter or as someone who's reviewing the resume, I have goals to figure out if you're the right fit for my position. And so the sooner that you can put yourself into that frame for me, the better. And I think a lot of people have missed that opportunity by a generic objective statement at the top of their resume. What about to cover letter or not to cover letter? Mm. Read the instructions. Uh, sometimes folks only ask for the resume and they really mean it. So I, I tell people that, uh, but beyond that, when there are some sort of restrictions or limitations to including a cover letter or, you know, it's, it might make somebody angry. I'm very pro cover letter or let me amend that statement. I'm very pro cover letter for the jobs that people care about. So if I really, really want that job at, I'm thinking of a client who really wanted a job at Bumble the online dating app here in Austin, and they felt like they were a perfect culture fit and they could speak to everything that Bumble was doing nowadays. And they felt like it was going to be their dream job. Absolutely. That person needed to have a cover letter and finding some way of getting it actually read by the hiring manager, because I think a cover letter does so it goes beyond the resume and that it can tell an actual story. It can tell your why or even your philosophy of how you work as a professional versus if you're a writing these things in your resume just comes across as awkward and doesn't really make any sense. I think a cover letter can also help overcome some objections that somebody may have reading your resume. An example of that might be if, you know, I took some time off to go do whatever, go travel or, you know, something personal, then I think there are eloquent ways in a cover letter, you can just word reasons why you took some time off. So I'm very pro cover letter. I don't know why people rip on them all the time, but I think they they're powerful when used correctly. Mm -hmm. I agree. I've never been in the anti cover letter, but I am in the short and to the point cover letter. I don't want to read your whole, I won't read your whole history. So <laughs> give me a couple paragraphs back to that, who you are, why you think you're a great fit for this role and why we should talk. How about in creating a LinkedIn profile, which obviously is an important part of branding for people in their careers in general, I always tell people it's a career branding tool, not a job search tool. Should I take my resume and just basically copy and paste that into my LinkedIn profile or is a LinkedIn profile something different? Hmm. I think copying and pasting your resume over to your LinkedIn profile is, I want to say, 
if you had to do it, you had to scrape something together in just a few seconds that might fly. But I think a LinkedIn profile is different. I think you need to pay attention to LinkedIn in a different way and treat it as something that is going to be seen as an active, as a piece of social media. So for the resume, you're trying to get targeted and you're trying to apply, um, get specific towards actual companies that you're applying for or specific job positions. But what happens if you are applying for different types of positions and the LinkedIn profile might be a way of getting a little bit more broad and encompassing multiple positions that you might apply for. The other problem with just copying and pasting your resume on over to your LinkedIn profile is that we're told time and time again that your resume should be as short as possible, right? We're trying to condense this thing, but the LinkedIn profile just acts differently. Um, There are fields that you can expand and contract, and I think that gives a lot more opportunity to write more on your LinkedIn profile. And I think think that's actually preferable to have a fuller LinkedIn profile than you do as a resume. So I would... Treat it as something that should be somewhat aligned, right? You don't want your LinkedIn profile to look completely different than your resume, but um, there's some nuance to it that I think should be paid attention to. Mm -hmm. Do you recommend that, um, again, people maybe who are in active job search include any kind of media on their LinkedIn profiles? Or is there anything they should add to kind of really make it look more like an online marketing brochure for themselves? Yes, that's the fun part of LinkedIn. I'm always telling job seekers, um, or especially the ones who are applying from Europe, like, I think the picture does not belong on your resume. However, the picture has so much importance when it comes to your LinkedIn profile, again, because it's social media at the end of the day. So your, your headshot that you have as your profile photo, and even the cover photo you have at the top are some great opportunities to stand out and look professional. Other ways of media, um, the first thing that came to mind when you said it was, say, I'm, you know, I'm a creative and I have a portfolio to share. I mean, these are things you can actually upload, like your websites and specific links like that that can show off and get people to interact with you a little bit more. So that's why I think LinkedIn is special. Mm-hmm. I know when it first came out a couple of years ago or a few years ago, LinkedIn added the opportunity to add that open to work banner to your profile photo. And I saw, you know, some online debates between people about whether or not you should add that or not, that it make you look desperate or not. What are your thoughts on the open to work banner? Uh, Open to work, open to work. And LinkedIn's always rolling out new features that I think job seekers should be wary about. I think you need to be careful about taking advantage of everyone. Um, But I would say, look at it from the perspective of somebody who is searching for their ideal candidate. I think open to work is not necessarily a bad thing that will disqualify you, but it's not something that I think is going to particularly help you in your job search. I think it just, it, it doesn't do much for me. I think when I'm looking at a candidate, especially considering how many candidates are applying who may already be working for a company. So I'm not, I don't know if it's, this is a wishy-washy answer, but I'm never, I'm not for it. I'm not against it. Just proceed with caution with things like this that LinkedIn is, is rolling out. Sure. Well, one thing, you know, again, it may be different. Times have changed, I'm sure, since I was actively in the recruiting world. But, of course, a lot of people apply online, if not 
in the vast majority of people apply for jobs online. So those resumes are going into some sort of system where then in order to select people to interview, either the recruiters are using some keyword searches or they're not likely reviewing all of the resumes that are coming in, that it's somehow artificial intelligence or computers are determining who actually gets selected. So how do you go about that in your process to make sure that your candidates are the ones that are being pulled out from those applicant tracking systems or HRIS systems to be the ones who are selected? Now we're talking LinkedIn or more resumes. They're, they're similar, well, tell, I think. But If they're different, tell me both. <laughs> yeah. So I think LinkedIn, first of all, is really interesting that there are different ways that you could search, sort, filter candidates. I've, I've looked at it from the recruiter end. It's actually pretty powerful, um, a pretty powerful system to find the right people. So keywords are often one of the first things that I have job seekers or our resume writers look at because oftentimes these applicant tracking systems or LinkedIn, they're searching for either a specific type of skill set or a specific type of keyword that may or may not be on the resume or LinkedIn profile. So looking at it, the perspective from, I think the software is really important. I tell people don't freak out about the software or the applicant tracking systems because writing a good resume with good principles, I think will naturally take care of some of those things. I don't think you need to keyword stuff or include a bunch of fluff on your resume that might grab the attention of the bots. I'm not saying that, but I think folks should ask themselves if I were a recruiter or a hiring manager and I was simply typing in some keywords to find the ideal candidate, which ones would I use to target that person? So I usually have folk, uh, folks focus on five to 10, sometimes that's too much, but um, a set of keywords that people might look for. And keywords could be anything from position titles to certifications to even company name has been a keyword that I think people have searched as well. So yeah, I can remember a search that I did uh, for a warehouse director and the client wanted them to, they didn't want to train them. They wanted them to already have experience with a certain type of software. And I created a really long search string in LinkedIn looking for directors of, you know, warehousing and finally just added in or and the name of that software or and and found the right person because on their LinkedIn profile, they had that they had worked with that software. So sometimes, yeah, you have to think really deeply into what both separates you or differentiates you as a candidate and what the the recruiter or the hiring manager might be looking for. Right. And if I could just so mention, go ahead. I just yeah. say, if I can just add one more thing is it's a misconception is folks are talking about applicant tracking systems and keywords like, like recruiters are using the same exact piece of software because they're like, you know, oh, you know, this resume is not going to pass the ATS because of this one specific thing. And I think that's not necessarily true because there are so many, I mean, there are dozens and dozens of different types of applicant tracking systems or systems that people could use. And even beyond that, like ways that people can use these applicant tracking systems. So I think folks need to start with what are the principles of a really good resume and how can I just remain targeted versus trying to game the system in, in whatever way they can. 
Have you ever done or are you an advocate for listing keywords in white on resumes so that they don't show up, but that they might get picked up by these uh, software systems? Yeah, I heard I attended a talk. I was actually giving a resume talk once and a guy said that he had done that. He uh, copied like 100 or so keywords and he pasted in the he pasted them at the bottom of his resume, made like a two point font and made it in white. And I, I'm not a fan of that, actually. I actually, I, for the most part, I disagree with uh, such a type of system because I think, number one, if you get caught, you know, if somebody ever scans your resume and sees that you're doing that, it just, it doesn't look very good. You might come across as you were trying to game the system, which never looks good. But you may not be presenting the best match for yourself if you're just trying to take every single type of keyword that may grab attention and it's like it's like getting a really catchy clickbaity type of email or clicking into a YouTube video and seeing something that grabs your attention. But when you click into that link, it's not what you expected. So just try to create the best match you can for the jobs you're applying for. And I, I think that's where people should start. I'm just loving this rapid fire question on the resumes. I hope that people out there, they're getting their questions answered as well. And I've got plenty more. Different resumes. Should a candidate have multiple resumes to apply for similar jobs? Do you recommend that? Or is that part of your survey service that, you know, I think I got asked that question a lot about different resumes. I'm like, are you applying for completely different jobs or is it just a different industry? Why are you even asking the question? So what are your thoughts on, do they just need one resume or should they tweak a resume for different jobs they're applying for? I think folks should tailor and target resumes based on the job they're applying for. So if I'm applying to two different types of jobs, say I'm applying for a software developer position, and I'm also applying for a data analyst position, so two completely different types of positions, then I should have two different resumes. Now, I would never advocate for people to spend 80 hours a week on their resumes and take all of their time, their life away into crafting a different resume for every different type of job you're applying for. But I think folks should organize their resumes into buckets based on how different are the jobs I'm applying for, just asking that one simple question and crafting the amount of resumes that is right for them. Mm -hmm. One other question that I've heard in the past many a time is around gaps in employment. And surely over the last two or three years, we have a lot of people who are either re-entering the workforce, who are in the workforce, who have gaps in employment. And and again, I've learned a lot. I've come a long way, but I used to tell people, I mean, if you've got a gap on your employment, I think you were in jail. So please explain it to me. Now, I've grown people. I've come a long way. I would never say that now. But how do you help people to address gaps in employment on their resume? Is there a secret? Do you explain it? Do you say that you were on medical leave or you were traveling in Europe? How do you go about that? Sure, absolutely. Well, one time I did pull three recruiters in a room. They had plenty of experience and this was in front of one of my meetups. So there were about 30 job seekers in the room and three recruiters. And I put up these resumes. All of them had gaps within their resumes. And I asked the recruiters to talk about these resumes. Like what, what's the first thing that jumped out? What do you notice about these candidates? And they went over a bunch of things about like, you know, the skill set, the education or, oh, I think this person might be more qualified for this job. 
But the last the the thing that they never mention were the gaps on the resumes. And I think that's really interesting because we have a lot of people who are freaking out about their gaps. They think this is this big honking thing that's going to cause negative attention. But I think a lot of the times, if you can emphasize why you're qualified for a position, then people aren't really going to notice the gaps. Now, I will preface this by saying, ask yourself how big that gap is. If you're talking just a few months here, then no big deal. It's not going to leave a lasting impression. It's not going to be something that detracts away from the resume. But if it's a big honking gap, I mean, if we're talking, I don't know, I don't like giving rules of thumb, but six plus months, I think, then don't freak out about your gap, just like I mentioned. But if it's a recent gap, then yes, call it out on the cover letter with one or two unapologetic sentences explaining um, what you did. And I think LinkedIn actually just rolled out a feature that helps you to to do this. So um, you can also do this in your LinkedIn profile. But explain the gap. Just don't be apologetic about it. Just be short and sweet and let people know. It's nothing to freak out about, but just something to be wary of. Okay. If I had a medical condition or I was caring for a family member with a medical condition, should I say that? Yes, but I don't think I don't think people need to give too much information. I think that's a mistake that people make is I left for an example. I saw this posted on Reddit the other day, but somebody left uh, for um, a very specific mental health issue, and they included the actual diagnosis on the cover letter. And it's okay to explain that you left for personal reasons or for medical reasons, but don't give too much information just because I, I, I don't think it's, even in this day and age that people need to know every single detail. So yes, but just be broader, I think. Sure. I know one of the things that you're passionate about is helping people who are uh, underserved really need that leg up to get the job opportunities. And one of those groups being people maybe in second chance hiring careers, people who were formerly incarcerated, which is obviously a really large pool of people for employers to take advantage of. And more and more of them are thinking that way. Is there a, a craft or a talent skill to writing a resume for someone who is in that second chance hiring opportunity? Mm. That's a really good question. I am thinking right now of a bread that I eat all the time. I actually love, I love my Ezekiel bread. So that's my top bread. But my second favorite bread in the world is Dave's killer bread. And mine too. You like that one too? <laughs> I love it. But that's my first favorite. <laughs> okay. They have so many different flavors and it's so rich and delicious. But I love it because their mission is to help folks and to give folks that second chance. And I think that there are so many companies out there that are giving folks a second chance uh, when it comes to employment. And so I would tell people to seek out those companies who are who are giving that second chance. And I'm not saying like these are these have to be the only companies you apply for. That's not the case. You can there's always a way to get a job at at these other companies, but I would especially seek the ones out who have a good accepting integrative culture and then craft a resume and a cover letter that's tailored towards those types of companies. Um, and again, it, it does go with the TMI principle. You don't want to give too much information in the resume that might cause a bunch of distracting thoughts, I guess, uh, for people looking through your resume. 
But the most important principle I can tell people when crafting their resumes is to emphasize your skill set. Like what what do you bring to the table that makes you a qualified candidate that's going to make you kick butt at this next job? And and don't really put too much emphasis on the things that um, that are not going to help you or things that detract away from there. Mm hmm. From the clients that you work with, and also from your perspective, what is the biggest frustration that they have with recruiters, hiring managers, HR people? So they've they've worked with you, they've crafted what they think is a great resume, they go for the interviews, and they come back frustrated. What are you hearing from them? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the folks that come to us before they end up using us. And I hope you don't take that as a humble brag, but uh, a lot of these folks are just not getting noticed because their resume is getting sent out and they feel like they're not getting a lot of attention. And so I'm not saying that every single resume that we process gets hundred percent attention afterwards. Sometimes it's a game you have to play, but it's folks that are oftentimes applying online to job boards who are expecting to get just amazing results. Um, so I often tell these people to not put too much, and this sounds so ironic coming from the founder of a resume service, but I'm giving it to you real here, but don't put so much emphasis on the job boards and just sending your resume out to, to really game the job boards. Because I think building authentic, meaningful human connections, even in this world of being so online and so remote and so virtual, I think is so important. I think it's something that helps people to get hired, especially ones who are struggling with a career change or folks who were formerly incarcerated. We'll use that last example from the question you asked, I think is, is really important. So I would recommend those folks who are frustrated to get out there and build those connections and physically get the resume in the hands of these folks who can make um, influential hiring decisions. Sure. So how do they, how do you recommend that they do that? How do they build those in-person connections in a world where people are holed up in their home offices? <laughs> well, I used to recommend meetup.com all the time back in 2019. I had a meetup and it was a really fruitful way of <laughs> getting people plugged in and connected, but I can't really speak to how, where meetup has gone since then. I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if it's still popular anymore, but there are plenty of groups, um, plenty of opportunities for people to find, to get connected within their specific industry or their trade or their specialty. And I recommend folks get involved with those types of groups. And it doesn't necessarily mean like, oh, I need to make sure that there's going to be a hiring manager at one of those groups. Often there are hiring managers at my meetups. But the idea is to make sure that it is within your specific industry or trade, because you never know if you're going to meet somebody, a new friend, because we're building, we're making friends here. If that person may know somebody who can put you in touch with the job of your dreams. Mm -hmm. But Chris, I'm an introvert. I don't like to network. What do you tell those people? <laughs> <laughs> I met the most brilliant outgoing, smart, intelligent lady ever in 2017. Her name was Lasan. Lasan, if you're listening to this podcast right now, we're talking about you. And she was the person who um, would host these events. And there were like these wine events where they would bring people together and have people connect and socialize. And I worked with her for a period of a few years. And I asked her, I was like, Lasan, how do you do it? Like, you're so you're so energetic and you're so good at connecting with people. 
And she was like, just experience and doing it over and over again. Because if, if I told you the truth, Chris, I'm actually a complete introvert. And these types of interactions, they drain your energy, they drain my energy. And so for me, that stuck out because here you have somebody who has so much energy and she's able to make better connections than I could ever um, and was able to give such amazing charisma in all of her conversations. But she was a complete introvert. And I don't I think the big misconception about introverts and I know a lot of them is that these are folks who are antisocial. Being an introvert does not necessarily mean you have to be antisocial or that this is this identity that you're giving yourself. And so I would say give yourself permission to rest and recover after social events. We know it does take a lot out of you, perhaps more than us extroverts. But I think building authentic connections is a part of the human experience. And your way of connecting may be different than an extrovert. You may be more of a, I want to get you one-on-one and have a deep conversation with one single person versus a bunch of them. But find your style because you have it and you have a way of connecting with people that makes sense. Sure. I know when I was going through my own career transition and working with a coach and part of my assignment. So I'm, as an, I am an introvert, massive introvert. <laughs> and my coach, yeah, my coach was like, this is part, your job right now is to get another job. And your part of your job is to go out to these meetups and, and to meet people. And so you have to do this, Jennifer. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm paying you to tell me what to do. So I will go. And I did the same thing every time. And I still do that some now, you know, you go to a networking meeting where you don't know anyone and you walk into the room, you're like, this is the worst. And I turn back around and I go to the restroom and I look in the mirror and I'm like, you can do this. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) You must do this. And then I'd walk back in and I would, I, and I would give this advice to people that I, I tried to help later on look across the room and find the group of two or three people that are laughing and having a good time and walk up to that group and say, you guys look like you're having a great time. Mind if I join you 99% of the time, they'll like, part the sea, they'll welcome you in, they'll invite you to laugh with them. And if it's that 1% of the time they don't, then just walk away with your head in shame. But um, it's similar to kind of how we connected. You know, I was sitting in the front row with a bunch of rowdy people and you were in the second row all by yourself. Yeah. And you reached out to me. I remember you were the one who started the interaction. So that's case We we parted the sea and let you in, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think as introverts, we can both do that proactive, but you can also do the same thing. If you are in the group where you're enjoying the conversation, try to include other people and bring them in because it is a great way to start relationships. And I'm glad we connected in that way. Well, thanks for all you've shared with us about kind of resumes. I think it's a good way for people to get uh, some good answers. Again, whether they're in an active job search now or they may be at some point in the future, it's helpful to kind of know what is happening out there in the industry today. Before we finish, though, I'd like to get you to share a little bit more about your own business. And I know I read either on your website or in your bio that your goal is to improve the modern day job search and create a positive ripple effect across the U.S. economy. How are you and Let's Eat Grandma improving the modern day job search? Absolutely. So, gosh, they're big words, I know. Improve the U.S. economy. And I've I've crunched the numbers before and I've looked at how many people it would take to improve the U.S. economy. It's a lot. And I don't think it's something that I'll be able to achieve next month or even next year. But I do think it does start with leading 
with a good example with the clients who we actually are serving, because a lot of these folks are influential and a lot of these these folks are eventually going to make hiring decisions themselves. So I think by leading by example, I think that is one of the best ways to create that ripple effect. And I think the podcast is a way of beginning. We try to send the podcast over to our clients as well to let them know um, different ways that they can go and make an impact in their own lives and the lives of others. But I think a lot has been changing, you know, in the last few years. And I think I think folks need to, I guess, stay in tune with like this types of this type of advice and remember that at the end of the day, it's it's going to be okay. And I think we need to help each other out exactly like you said in your last answer there. Sure. And that's the Career Warrior podcast, which we'll be sure to link to in the show notes. I also read that you're looking to grow your business 10x in the next year. How's that going? And maybe what are a couple of steps you're lot. taking yeah. to share? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. So yeah, it's really important to us, I think, to grow in the right way. So we're not looking to scale and grow by any means possible. I think it does start with quality and the types of impressions you leave with your clients. So referrals have been a big bringer of business for us. So clients who have been happy with the work that we bring, they'll tell their friends and family. But we're also looking to make meaningful connections with partners as well. So potentially job boards or other folks who have the attention and eyes of uh, job seekers who are willing to put in the work. So scale with Sustainability has really been my my uh, battle cry for the last several years here. All right. Well, to close us out, make your pitch for me. Why do I need to hire a resume writing service versus just do it myself or get my friend, the HR manager, to help me with it? Ah, absolutely. So my pitch to you is I've run this company for the last eight years. I have studied the ins and outs of what makes a good resume. I have given hundreds and hundreds of talks about what makes a good resume and have spoken with hundreds of career coaches and recruiters about what makes a great resume. My pitch to you is I would still use my very own resume service if I had to leave my position today and transition to something different. And that is because I think you need a second perspective, somebody with an objective look at your resume and the types of jobs you're applying for. Doesn't matter if you know the ins and outs of your own your own experiences and your education. Having a second pair of eyes, a skilled pair of eyes, can be the best, really the best supplement, I think, into crafting a really good resume. So even me, even somebody who's who's done this, I think, I think that that says a lot. And it's something that I would I would stand by today. Sure. I'll I'll give you a story from my own experience to help reinforce that. As I mentioned, you know, I spent almost 20 years in HR recruiting for positions the whole time. So obviously I'd seen thousands of resumes, interviewed thousands of people. And during my own transition, hired the career coach. And one of the first steps was to put together a resume, which I had not done. And he, part of his service was to, to do that. And I said, no, I know resumes. I can write my own. And to look at that resume today, it is truly, you would laugh because I did three pages of 12 point font margins that were like a quarter of an inch (laughs) because I wanted to list everything I'd ever done, everything. 
And so when I brought it into him to look at and he went, wow, this is a lot. <laughs> right. It's because emotionally we hold on to these things, these past experiences. Exactly. Exactly. So when he, you know, he, he offered to redo it for me, obviously that point that you made, having someone with that outside perspective and also the perspective of what the hiring manager or the, the HR person is going to be looking for is helpful versus being emotionally attached to everything you've ever done. And so it's difficult to write a resume for yourself. It's even more difficult to get a friend or, a, you know, a colleague to write it for you who also is not experienced, but maybe they have seen a resume before. So I have long recommended to people to invest in the resume writing service. It is important to position yourself from the start effectively. I've certainly recommended to executives to spend that four figures or even five figures to get a good executive resume. It matters. And you have a lot of competition, even in a world today where there are a lot of jobs. Uh, you want to get the right job, as you say, your dream job. And so making sure that you start that process off on the right foot is really, really important. So I appreciate you so much for sharing with us your wisdom and your experience today. I think it will be really helpful to a lot of people. Um, why don't you finish us out with where people can connect with you? Let's see, Grandma, the Career Warrior podcast, all the above. Absolutely. Well, our website company url is none other than let's eat grandma.com i've had that domain since 2014 i'm proud of it and i love i love connecting with people on linkedin it's my my social media platform of choice which should be no surprise but you can connect with me as chris Villanueva, cprw on linkedin and i'm always podcasting the career warrior podcast is um, available on every platform and Jennifer, you were an amazing guest in the podcast and recommend listeners to this show. Check out that episode. Um, but yeah, I interview somebody who has an area of expertise every single month um, within the career field. And it's a huge pleasure for me. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you again for sharing all this with us. We'll link all that up in the show notes. And I thank you for what you're doing to help people land their dream jobs, Chris. Awesome, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. It's time for you to get noticed, create change and grow your influence. Don't waste any time. Subscribe to this podcast and help us get the word out by leaving a review. 